Hey everyone, welcome to the Above the Yellow Line live stream on a Thursday night. This is a Thursday night, sorry, Wednesday night. I'm so used to saying Thursday, Dom. I know, this is I new for us. <laughs> this is new for Familiar us. Familiar territory. We're off to a great start though. I know, such a good start. But on a Wednesday night, um, this is actually our last live stream on the YouTube channel this year. So pretty bummed about that, but excited because we have a really cool guest. We're very excited to bring in Atlantis King in a few minutes, but we will go ahead. We won't delay any further. Um, we will bring in our special guest, Alanis King. Hello. Oh Thanks for Hi. Can you hear me? We got yes. you. <laughs> Finally. I am, <laughs> am hotspotting from one of my two phones so I can be on my computer in the car and I can stream because I pulled oh over on the side of the road. <laughs> the dedication is insane. I appreciate yeah. it. No, never, no problem. Never not working. <laughs> yeah. I, literally never not working. Now I'm on my way home and I had about a three hour drive and I'm about 30 minutes away from my house. So I pulled on over and got my hotspot going and here I am. <laughs> well, we appreciate it so much. I, I think no the first question I have to ask is like, what, what car are you in? I know you're, you're a car person, have a lot of cars. Like what, what are you driving right now? That's a hilarious question. So at my house, we have two Mazda Speed Miatas and one Hyundai Elantra. And the Hyundai Elantra is the only one with cruise control. So when I travel for work, which is three hours out of time, I use the Elantra because it is not fun to have your foot on the gas pedal for three hours. So here I am in a 2012 Hyundai Elantra with my luggage in the back seat. And that is what I travel with for work. It gets about 42 miles per gallon and it's an automatic. So you don't have to do much shifting and it has cruise control, which is very, very important because you get in that Mazda speed and the shifting is fun, but the no cruise control is not. Yeah, that would be a nightmare. The entertainment only lasts so many minutes. Yeah. The <laughs> you can't shift if you're on the highway. You're just sitting in the no. here. So, you know, we just, it doesn't matter on the highway. So, yes, here I am. Got my backpack next to me. Got my two phones. I, I keep saying I'm like Kevin Gates now. Two phones. <laughs> two phones. One for the something, one for the dough. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. For those who don't know, your background in motorsports. Can you share a little bit? I think it all started and like what when you were like 12, it was Texas Motor Speedway. You got tickets. Is that how it all started? Wow, that is impressive. That is <laughs> that is research. Um, yeah, so I was about 12 or 13 years old. Let me do the math. I think I was 13. And it was 2009. So we were in the recession, right? The recession oh, yeah. was a going. Okay. And we weren't going anywhere because it was the recession. You're not you're not going an hour away. There's no money. And my mom got free tickets to a NASCAR race um, for the April Texas Motor Speedway race. And she said, if you want to do anything, we're going to go to NASCAR because it's free. And I was like, that sounds awful. <laughs> Why would I want to do that? I don't know anything about NASCAR. That sounds like the worst way to spend a weekend. And she said, well, shut up. We're going. So <laughs> we went and I got there and I remember pulling up to Texas Motor Speedway for the first time. And if you've only ever been to other sporting venues and you go to a 1.5 mile oval for the first time, it's like I you can't even describe how large this thing is right it's like a it's like a giant palace but not in like the european sense in like the gates of heaven kind of sense like it's huge right and i was like oh my mate maybe there's something to this and we walk in and my mom said that's dale jr 
It was like a t-shirt. And I was like, who's Dale Jr.? And she said, that's Dale Sr.'s son. And I was like, who's Dale Sr.? Well, I don't know what's going on here. And she's like, oh, gosh, yeah, this is really bad. And so we go up <laughs> to our seats. We're on the start finish line. And we watched the nationwide race on Saturday, which was the old name for the Xfinity series. It's the middle tier of NASCAR. If you're not familiar, the bottom tier is trucks, middle tier is Xfinity, top tier is cup. I like to say that for listeners and viewers who are unfamiliar. So this is the second tier race on Saturday. And those cars go by, like 43 of them, and they rattle the grandstands. And you're sitting here and you can see, it feels like you can see the edge of the earth on the horizon. And it was just the most incredible, all-encompassing thing. And you you take your little earbud out and you hear the sound. And you're like, that's the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I didn't know anything about NASCAR. Didn't know anything about anything. And I said, that's what I'm going to do with my life. And that's what I did. Like from right there, that's when you decided you wanted to like be in the industry some way, shape, or form. Like that moment. Yeah. Yep. Didn't know anything about it. Knew nothing about it. And I said, that's what I'm going to do with my life. So spent the rest of my life doing that and is that like when you so. started getting your knowledge of like cars in general or did you kind of grow up really yeah so i didn't know anything about cars i do nothing about cars and i was like oh this is gonna be a lot of learning so um from that point forward from that race onward i never missed another nascar race never oh my gosh, gosh. i watched every single one i i didn't know what the trucks were the xfinity were i didn't when it, it was called the Sprint Cup, and I thought it meant it was a short race. It wasn't the title sponsor. The title sponsor was Sprint. I thought, I was like, if this is a Sprint Cup, what's the longer one? Like, what's going on? So I watched every single NASCAR race from that point forward on television. And then I got a job at a place called Jalopnik when I was in college. So I was in my second year of college. I was 19 years old. And one of my professors knew the top editor at Jalopnik. And he said, this person knows everything about motorsports hire her for your freelance gig. So here I am in college and I now have a full-time weekend freelance gig. So I'm working all day, every day on the weekends at Jalopnik. I only knew about motorsports at this point. So I spent those like six years learning about motorsports. I didn't know anything about production cars. And so here I am at 19 years old. Now we're starting on production cars. So from that point forward, I learned everything I could about production cars. Now I do cars, motorsports, car reviews, motorsport reporting, all kinds of stuff like that. It's all of it. And that is where that is where all that happened. Yeah, I joined the motorsports scene late. Like I started watching when I was 16. And mm-hmm. I sometimes feel like I'm at a disadvantage because I started so late when a lot of people in NASCAR have been watching since they were like walking and things like that, which is awesome. And I wish that was me, but it's not. I don't know if you felt intimidated kind of walking into the space you know learning everything because you weren't a lifelong fan or just kind of how you navigated that absolutely and everyone does and i think everyone does because everyone assumes everyone else knows everything and that's the problem so i always use this equivalency when i was at jalopnik one of my colleagues was named david tracy i love david tracy he's a great person david tracy is an incredible jeep mechanic he knows everything he can take two panels of rust and turn it into a Jeep. It's ridiculous. But if you ask David who won the NASCAR's Cup Series championship this year, he couldn't tell you. He, he had no idea. So here we are. He knows everything about one thing, but he doesn't know anything about another topic. I know everything about one thing. I don't know anything about another topic. Sure, you started when you were 16, so you weren't there during the 90s and the early 2000s and all of that. Like, you weren't 
watching that. So you don't have that firsthand knowledge, but you know lots of stuff about what's going on right now. And I think the problem we make and the reason we get imposter syndrome is because we think everyone else knows everything. And so I try to be extremely upfront with the things I don't know, because I think it makes people feel better. I'll say, yeah, I can't, I can't put a Jeep together. Like if I am going to do some kind of work on my car, I'm going to YouTube it. The only thing I can do without YouTubing it is change my oil. Anything else, I'm looking it up on YouTube, right? So I think the more honest we are about what we know and what we don't know, the better it is for everyone because then they don't have that imposter syndrome. So I try to be very honest about that. I also try to be very welcoming. A really recent thing in Formula One is people go, oh, I'm not a new fan. I'm not a Drive to Survive fan. Don't, no, 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 no. That's gatekeeping. That's gatekeeping. Exactly. It's okay to be a Drive to Survive fan. It's okay to do all that. We're all fans. It doesn't matter how much everybody knows. We need to make everyone feel welcome. And so I think the more upfront we are about the things we know and the things we don't know, the better it is for everyone because then people don't feel self-conscious. Like another element is there are tons of people who report on NASCAR who have been in here for decades and know more historical knowledge than me. But can those people drive the cars as well as I can on the racetrack? No. Right? So if I go to Circuit of the Americas, can I rip it? Yes, I can. Do I know what <laughs> happened in the 80s? No, I don't. You know, it's just one of those things where you're just upfront about what you can and can't do. Question about your when you went to your first race. Um, I always think back to the first race I saw, not in person, but saw was the 04500. And I have that vision of Dale's Budweiser car and Tony's Home Depot car. What, what was that first car you saw that caught your attention? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so the Saturday race is harder to say uh, because I would have to remember the sponsor. Um, yeah. Saturday race, I think, was Nost or Z-Line. Kyle Busch won that race, dominated that race. Yeah. I know, we're shocked. We're shocked. Kyle Busch <laughs> yeah. dominated on Saturday. And so yeah. I think it was a NASCAR. And... We were there with a good friend of mine named Steve McLean. He's a family friend, and Steve knew everything about NASCAR. He was a huge Dale Jr. fan, and he said, whatever you do, you can't like Kyle Busch. He's a punk. <laughs> and then Kyle Busch wins the first race I'm at. And I was like, oh, well, sorry, uh, I'm going to be a Kyle Busch fan. <laughs> so the next day, I very, very clearly remember Kyle Busch was in that green, I think it was, Interstate Batteries car with the yellow, mm -hmm. uh, not the yellow, the orange accents on it. And Kyle had some real misfortune on Sunday. Like he had some contact with somebody, cut a tire down, got a pit road penalty. And he ended up being a lap down, but trying to race for his lap back the whole race. And I had no idea what was going on. So I'm just watching this dude in the middle of the pack. Basically, he's not on the lead lap. And I'm like, maybe he's not that good. I don't know. Did I make a bad <laughs> decision? And, but I very clearly remember that visual of watching him go around and going, did I make the wrong decision? Because I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> right, yeah, and so, so that's my visual is just him going around and me having no idea whether I made the right decision or not. And I told him this recently and he was like, I don't remember that race at all. And I was like, that's a good thing. You wouldn't want to. Don't think about it. Don't go watch just, it, Kyle. Don't. It's not what you want to see. <laughs> that is awesome. So that's oh, mine. My yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, he had a rough day. That he day. had a really rough day that day. I was like, he was like, yeah, I don't remember that. And I was like, nope, you don't want to. Nope, leave it alone. Yeah. We're moving on. <laughs> and with good reason. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> so that's what I remember. Yeah. Moving on into what 
a lot of people want to ask Ooh. about, and that's this. Oh my goodness, look at that! Wow, that's so, so cool! <laughs> I, I read it, I read it, and it was amazing because I couldn't, so I couldn't get over it. Thank you! I couldn't get over, like, in in my opinion, it was just like reading a 200-page article oh my God, thank on you. <laughs> everything, everything that could, did, and didn't happen in that whole saga, but I know you're still selling the book. I don't know how much you want to talk about yeah, sure. it uh, or dive, dive into the secrets yeah. of it. But I just, it's, what was it like <laughs> learning, going through all that and just seeing how, right when you think you knew what was going on, something different happened? I often tell people it's a lot like writing fiction, except it's all real. <laughs> because you read this book and the things you read are so shocking and bizarre and completely unexpected at every turn. You're like, what just happened? And so I remember editing this book with my co-author, Elizabeth Blackstock, and we would read things that we hadn't read for a couple of months because you're going through and editing it. And we would go, there's no way that's real. <laughs> but we fact checked it four times. <laughs> but it felt like it wasn't just like little things. It was entire arcs of that book. You're reading it and you're like, this no way no way you're joking and it's just a fascinating thing so if you're unfamiliar with the book it's called racing with rich energy and the basically the bottom line is in late 2018 oh there it is in late 2018 <laughs> the haas formula one team announced its new title partner which was rich energy black and gold energy drink from britain and as soon as haas did this everybody was like what's rich energy <laughs> we don't know what that is and People started looking into it because it was a little weird, right? We're sponsoring a Formula One team with $100 million a year in their budget. And who is this company that apparently has the money to pay this sponsorship bill? Well, everybody started looking it up and found out that the most recent listing in the British Registrar of Companies, which is Companies House, most recent listing had about $700 in the bank for this company. So Haas F1 team spends $100 million a year. This company apparently has $700 in the bank. And so it became this whole thing of everybody trying to figure out what is going on with this company. And I think everybody from the very first day saw the writing on the wall with this company. And for some reason, I guess Haas didn't. So they went through with it and they had this partnership and it was a disaster. The CEO of the company was always making stuff up and yelling about stuff and posting pictures from the internet and pretending like they were his, he would post pictures of like a private jet at sunrise and he would say off to some place at sunrise. And it was like a picture from Pinterest. And it's like, how is this man sponsoring a Formula One team? And of course it didn't last very long. It lasted about, it lasted about nine months and then everything crashed and burned. There were like several court dates. There was a lot of lying and that's what the book is about. And it is a wild, wild, wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think it puts it perfectly how they took a, spa, a race team for a ride. Mm -hmm. And it was just unbelievable. I think that there's one chapter in the book that it's a whole chapter, about 20 pages long, <laughs> that encapsulates one week's worth yeah. of yeah. <laughs> And then the last and sentence of that yeah. chapter says, in case you weren't keeping track, all of this chapter happened over the course of a week. Because you yeah. think it's like a year's worth of stuff 
and it happened yeah. over the course of a week. It was the craziest week ever. And it's so fascinating. And I think one thing we really enjoyed doing with this book is we also went into other iffy motorsport sponsors over the years. So the yes. third chapter, yeah, the third chapter talks about iffy motorsport sponsors over the decades. And one of my friends, Jason, love Jason. He's the best. He does not know cars or motorsports. He doesn't pay attention to these things. But I wrote the book and he was like, I'm going to read it. And he actually, this was when Drive to Survive was like on the uphill climb, right? And he was like, if I'm reading this book on the subway in New York, women are going to like hit on me because they like Formula One. And I was like, yeah, do your thing, Jason. Um, and so he, he told me, he told me I really felt like the third chapter, which was about other scammy motorsports sponsors. He said, when I started it, I thought it was like an anime side quest, like one of those episodes in the anime that's a filler episode. I thought it was a filler episode. And he said, I got done with it and I realized, oh, I get why they put that in there because it is an illustration that these big race teams that require a lot of money and funding end up getting taken for rides sometimes and it's just like this whole bit of context about it my favorite one is the money tron machine the money tron machine was a supercomputer oh, that oh. could apparently predict the stock market and the guy who had the money tron machine he was the only one with the key to the office it was in and no one ever saw it and you have to assume that the money tron machine did not exist but he got a lot of rich people to invest in it thinking they could predict the stock market uh everything crashed and burned when he eventually lost his fortune he said and i quote the good thing is there is one less capitalist in the world the bad thing is that he is me that was crazy like golden quote oh my gosh nuts <laughs> this guy Look him up. Jean-Pierre Van Rossum, wild guy. Oh, my goodness. So I loved it. Uh, that book is it surprises me every time I read it and I wrote it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wanted to ask with the book. So how did you keep your research organized? Because there's there's just so many pieces and parts. I don't know if you had like a bulletin board where you like put strings on certain things or like how you, <sighs> but you kept all this information straight. Yeah, that's a great question. So Elizabeth and I, what we did is we took chapters. So um, there are nine chapters in the book, I think. And Elizabeth took half and I took half. And then a couple of the chapters, she would take the front half and I would take the back half or I would take the front half and she would take the back half. And basically what we did is we started with a document that listed all of the events in chronological order. And then we grouped those events into chapters. And then we decided, I know more about this event than you, or you know more about this event than me. You take that chapter or you take that half of that chapter. And what we did was we then broke those little listings into individual Google Docs and we just started building out. So each chapter had a Google Doc that you built out from, from this timeline you created. And then what you have to do is, oh my goodness. So the book is about a hundred thousand words and um, oh, oh, the chat's so fun. Hi everybody, I see everybody in the chat. Hi Phil. Um, so, <laughs> um, what you do basically when you do any kind of journalism or any kind of writing is, oh, thank you for saying the story is wild. Um, so what you do <laughs> when you do journalistic stuff is that you fact check it while you're writing, right? So as you're writing, you have all these tabs open that you're fact checking with or books or whatever you're fact checking with. You have these open. But what you also what I have learned to do over the years and what I always do is I fact check everything a second time. So once everything is written, I let it sit for a minute and then I go back through and every single word, name, date, number, 
verb, everything. You go one by one and you fact check every single word. Make sure everything is spelled right. All the dates are right. All the numbers are right. You use the right verb. It didn't give the like it didn't give the wrong connotation, everything like that. And so what we did about 100,000 words, you go word by word and you fact check it individually. So I would fact check it once. Elizabeth would fact check it once. The writing started out in black font. If one of us fact checked it, that's a single fact check. So we colored it purple. You go word by word, changing the font to purple. And then the other person would know, oh, okay, Alanis fact checked that. So now it's my turn, right? Or Elizabeth fact checked now, that's my turn. And then they would go, the second person would go and highlight it maroon. If we had any issue with it, we would make a note. And if you changed any words for any reason, the whole sentence went back to black or potentially the whole paragraph, depending on how much it impacted. So 100,000 words, word by word, double fact checked. A lot of people tell me that they are actually surprised when the book ends because the book ends and there's like a third of the book left and a third of the book is citations. Yeah, all the sources, yeah. <laughs> a third of the book is citations. So it was, it was really funny to me that people noticed that and told me about that. A lot of, a lot of the uh, book has the quote, they did not respond or no comment. Yes. How how did you guys manage to just like keep keep going, keep pushing forward, even though a lot of what you wanted you didn't get? Well, often when people don't give comment, that means you got it. So mm -hmm. there's not really anything I need. Like it's just if they need to correct the record, they'll correct it. And if they can't, then they can't. So it, you know, it was, I had some conversations and I said, hey, look, it'll look better for you if you participate, right? Like it, it does, it, it's not going to get any worse if you participate. In fact, it would get better if you participated because right now right. things don't look great. Um, but ultimately it's the companies and the people's decisions, whether or not they want to participate. And ultimately I can write a good story with or without you. And I can write a correct story with or without you. And if you don't have any rebuttal to that, then I don't have any problem. So that's kind of how I went with it. And that's how you have to do these things. This is how you have to go into this. When you're reporting something, you have to do the right thing and you have to go on the right path. And you can't let these things discourage you because ultimately you're doing a good thing and you're doing a cool thing and you're showing people the inner workings of things. And kind of getting into your journalistic um, career more I like well I love how you take more of a hands-on approach with your journalism like you really get in there and, like do the experiences and something that stuck out to me is like you you took your mom in a, on a lot of these experiences like like rally car school or like rally school stuff like that um kind of talk about what it was like to bring her along I mean kind of since she started your journey in motorsports and having her doing these experiences with you yeah, you know, it's really, really fun. I love having her come with me because we've we've been we've been doing this stuff for decades, right? And she loves cars. My mom has always had a Mazda Miata her whole life. And it's always been a manual Mazda Miata. And she loves driving cars. It makes her so happy. And so to get to share these things with her is really cool because she like she texts me when I'm driving a car today I was driving a gated manual Lotus Elise and she's like how's the Elise like she always wants to know <laughs> and so to be able to give her these experiences within my job is really really cool because they're experiences that she hasn't gotten to have just having a normal job her whole life the only real experiences she gets with cars are the ones that she buys so I can bring these like wild cars into her world and she really really likes that i will say on top of the car stuff this is one question i've always wanted to ask and it's that 
I'm a Ferrari fan mm -hmm. personally. It's been a rough many years, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I've always loved my Ferrari cars. Mm -hmm. And you got to ride in my dream Ferrari, <laughs> the F12 Berlinetta with Sebastian Vettel. My dude. Track. Mm -hmm. What was that like? I can't even imagine. You know, Sebastian Vettel is so sweet. <laughs> He's so sweet. And uh, I mean, the video is on my YouTube channel. It was crazy. I just posted it one day and I didn't even pay attention. And then I checked it like a few months later and it had millions of views. Um, he was so sweet. And often when you get in the car with these racing drivers, they're either like really closed off or really not. Sebastian Vettel is one of those people who wants to talk to you and is like, really really nice and makes you feel very very welcome and then he will take off around the racetrack and just throw you around right and <laughs> the thing about think about racetrack being on the racetrack is that if you're in the passenger seat you get thrown around if you're driving you don't get thrown around I like to drive because I don't get thrown around and I like to throw <laughs> someone else around that's kind of my fun um but it is super fun to be in a car with these people and be able to appreciate what they do. And I would say if I got to do that today, I would have even more of an appreciation for it because at that point I had not driven on track. Now I drive on track a lot. So I got to ride with Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez last year, last year with Honda in a Honda Civic Type R. It was an incredible experience. And we actually got to talk about driving the car and things like that. And so I love having that kind of knowledge to be able to talk with the drivers about what's going on because it's just, it's fun. It's fun to get their little insight, right? And uh, last year, <laughs> Checo kept putting it in the wrong gear. <laughs> so he would like, it was second or fourth. And he would put it in second or fourth and you go, oh, well, that's the wrong one. And he was just having so much fun. And so getting to do that is such an interesting look into these drivers because you're alone in the car with them and you just get to hang out and do whatever. And Sebastian was wonderful. He's a wonderful man. He stands for a lot of wonderful things and I appreciate him and I hope he's enjoying retirement and I hope he's chilling. Absolutely. <laughs> Was that experience with him like your favorite that you've ever had in your career? Or is there one that sticks out above the rest? Ooh, favorite experience I've had in my career. I mean, I've had so many that it's really hard to pick a favorite. Uh, like Sebastian Vettel was incredible. Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez. Like getting to ride in a car with these people is, is the kind of thing that doesn't happen in life, you know? And so those were absolutely incredible experiences. I feel like one isn't above the others, right? Mm -hmm. Going to Vegas Formula One, like uh, I was not going to go. And then on Thursday, I called Alfa Romeo and I said, hey, I heard you had extra tickets to F1. Do you? And they said, yeah, we're you're good. And so three minutes later, I had Formula One tickets, an Alfa Romeo and a hotel room in my email. Right. Took three minutes. Right. And so this kind of thing is just the kind of thing that blows your mind. And getting to go to the 24 hours of Le Mans this year and see the Garage 56 car in person and at nine o'clock in the morning at the 24 hours of Le Mans at one of the most historic Le Mans that is ever going to happen, right? The Centennial Le Mans and the Garage 56 car. It's nine o'clock in the morning. I haven't slept because that's my assignment. Don't sleep. And here I am interviewing Jimmy Johnson at Le Mans. I'm one of the only people here interviewing Jimmy Johnson. And it's just me and Jimmy at one of the most historic things in NASCAR. 
these kinds of things just stick with you, right? And there's not one that's number one. I just really like to give people context on people. Another thing I tell people about that's been really, really cool in my career is I was obviously a Kyle Busch fan when I was a kid. And now I get to work with Kyle on various projects. And so I worked with Kyle for the first time officially about a year ago. And he was incredible. I I, I was doing this like series story where I asked drivers about a really important moment in their career, a very split second moment that we can break down in excruciating detail. And Kyle picked his 2015 Daytona wreck where he broke mm. both legs. And Kyle was out for about 11 weeks, I think. And he came back in the middle of the season, made the playoffs and won the championship. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in sports. And so that's what we talked about. We talked about that. And after we get off the call, I told I told his PR person, Bill Janitz, Bill's wonderful. Bill, it was Bill at the time. It's no longer Bill. And I told Bill that it was only going to take 15 minutes because it only ever takes 15 minutes with drivers. About 25 minutes into the conversation with Kyle, I said, Kyle, I'm so sorry. I said this was going to take 15 minutes. And he said, don't worry. We're going to stay here until we get done. Just we're going to stay on the phone as long as we need. So 40 minutes pass and we are finally done and we get off the phone. And I tell Bill, he he was so good. He was fantastic. And Bill said, well, when you reached out about this story, he asked me to compile data and stories from that time so he could study and refresh his wow. memory so he could actually put himself back there and then tell you about it. And I was like, no one's ever done that. No one. Yeah. And so many NASCAR fans will look at Kyle Busch and look at the times he has had angry moments during or after a race and no one knows about the time and effort he puts into work media people and sponsors and mm -hmm. so i always tell people that was really really special to me because he didn't know me i could have been a terrible writer he could have done all of this work and like all of this prep and i just wrote the worst story ever he put the faith in me to spend that extra time to prepare and make me feel very very seen so after he did that, uh, I published the story and I went back through my call log and I sent him a text and I said, hey, Kyle, you don't have to respond to this. I never text people directly unless like I'm friends with them. I converse with your PR person, not directly with you. So don't text me back if you don't want to. You're busy. And I said, I just wanted to say thank you. That's incredible. No one's ever done anything like that. And it was really, really special that you did that. He sent me like five lines back like five lines that he didn't say like, you're welcome or whatever. He said, this is so cool. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for like putting time into me too. I really love the story. I hope you have a great Christmas. We'll talk again soon. And I was like, what? Like what? <laughs> and like, these are the experiences that I like to share with people like Sebastian Vettel, Max Verstappen. I love telling people Max Verstappen is hilarious because he is. Checo is hilarious because he is. These are experiences that like people just uh, it's insane that I have this. Like if I told 13 year old me that Kyle Bush sends me nice text messages, she would like, <laughs> cry. She would cry. And I actually had this the other day. I interviewed Kyle for a Top Gear story about how I got into NASCAR. I wrote about why I got into NASCAR. And obviously he's part of that story. And the assignment came really, really late. 
So I had like a week's notice on the assignment and I messaged his new PR person. I love his new PR person. He's wonderful. I message his new PR person and I say, hey, this is really, 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 really last minute. But will Kyle do it? And he said, yeah, Kyle do it. And he said, he's going to call you after qualifying at the Charlotte Roval. And if you don't know the context, the Charlotte Roval was an elimination weekend and Kyle was in a must win position to stay in the playoffs. And this man agreed to call me after qualifying on an elimination weekend because I needed him. And he was great. I sent him photos of the magazine like two days ago and he sent me the nicest text back. He was like, yeah, see you next year. That was great. Can't wait to work with you. And I was like, damn, damn, like that's (laughs) what? And I just I like to share these things because, yes, they're crazy and like. I mean, it might seem like bragging, but also it's just like it blows my mind that these things happen. Right. And it's possible like little 13 year old me. I remember so clearly that when you were just a fan in the stands, the asphalt of the racetrack really blocked you off from the world you wanted to be in. Right. You're Mm -hmm. on the outside. They're on the inside. And 13 year old me would go, there's no way. There's no way. And now I'm on the inside and it's just, it's wild. It's so cool. It's the coolest thing in the world. When you have a chance to step back and just Mm -hmm. kind of like register everything that you've done, who you've talked to, like that's incredible. And like everybody's so, like the people you see me being friends with online are like, like they're so, like they're actually the best. Like I'm not faking it at all. We went to Victory Lane with Tyler Reddick at Coda earlier this year and it was so exciting like we had the best time um Tyler's great he's a wonderful friend he's always he always makes time for us at the racetrack we just have these experiences and it's just you can do this you know I could do this little me ended up being grown me doing this and little me would just be so happy I love that. Honoring your younger self is like so important and like just seeing the dream through. I mean, Dom can attest to this as well. I mean, just from Mm -hmm. your climb to working with NASCAR now. So, I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah, I was looking looking forward to seeing you in Kansas when Reddick won. I was working that race, but. (laughs) (laughs) Every time Tyler wins and I'm not there, also like love for Tyler in the chat. Thank y'all for giving love to Tyler in the chat. Every Mm -hmm. time Tyler wins and I'm not there, I'm like, Ah, that's my favorite dude oh my goodness and it's just so fun to experience that fandom again because for a while there was a time where I thought I had to be like really serious and neutral and I can't have a favorite and now I'm just like go Tyler (laughs) go Kyle I'm gonna go to Cheddar's and get free food on Monday if Kyle wins like we take sports journalism so seriously it's not serious Sports journalism, like some of it is serious. There are important mm-hmm. things that happen in sports journalism, but just like interacting with athletes and just having fun, we take that so seriously. And like, we don't have to, like, you can just have fun. You can just meet people. I make so many amazing friends in this sport. I remember one time I was talking to a friend outside of a track house hauler and Chad Chastain, great dude, Ross's brother who races in the truck series and the Xfinity series sometimes. He just comes up and starts talking to me and my husband. And we've become such good friends. Like we went to the Nashville race and we went and hung out with Ross. I mean, not Ross. We went and hung out with Chad. Like we just had the best time. And then the next day Ross won and they got to all go celebrate. And it was so 
fun. It's just nice to see your friends do well. And it's nice to meet people and have fun. And like before Tyler won at Coda, we went and did carnival rides. Like we're two for two on doing a weird activity with Tyler Reddick. And then he wins the race <laughs> afterward. And he was with the trophy and we ran off because we had to go drive home. Right. So we take a photo with the trophy and then we run off the little trophy stage. And one of my friends told me after we ran off the trophy stage, Tyler goes, I've won both times we've done something with them. Right. And they were like, yeah. And he's like, oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, you noticed. Uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's fun. I love giving people looks into these people they don't usually get to see. I love showing people how like thoughtful someone like Kyle Busch is or how like nerdy and fun someone like Tyler is. It's, it's fun. The most important thing about life is learning about other people. And I love showing people that. Yeah, I think that the thing that I catch myself doing is being too serious it's just who i am but i'm like it's learning how to have fun and like just learning like you don't have to be serious all the time that's boring mm -hmm. that's lame mm -hmm. you don't want to get to experience life if you don't have fun so mm -hmm. exactly no <laughs> highly encourage it like just go have fun like you'll be yourself y'all have both y'all have both made names for yourself within the sphere just further do that you know and enjoy yourself because what you enjoy other people will enjoy and that's something I tell myself about. Like, I tell myself that all the time. You don't have to be so serious all the time. Just have fun. And people will enjoy that so much more. Adam asks, what's your favorite motorsport series to watch? NASCAR, 100%. We love that answer here. NASCAR. Except Formula One, anything else, but we're a little biased. A little biased. All the way, NASCAR. <laughs> ben asks, um, what was the most surprising thing you learned while putting the Rich Energy book together? All of it. The whole thing. Oh my goodness. I can't even pick one thing out. I really, really can't even pick one thing out. It was absurd. I think, like I said earlier, one of my favorite stories that's like Rich Energy adjacent is the Money Tron machine. And when people ask me like weird stuff about motorsports, I will tell them about the Money Tron machine. So that stuff was super fun. I wish I could pick something, Ben. I really wish I could. But the whole book is just it just blows your mind and it's so weird at every single turn. Um, you know, I'll give you one example. One of my favorite things is when William Story, the CEO of Rich Energy, terminated or terminated the partnership with the Haas Formula One team. He sent an email to Gunther Steiner with like very poor punctuation and constant line breaks. And it was just like every time he had a new thought, it was a line break. And this man terminated terminated outside the contract the partnership with the Haas Formula One team with an email directly to Gunther Steiner the team principal with no subject line that's incredible <laughs> man just fired it off no subject line at all and it was wild that's one of like that's one of the things I just think about and I'm like can you imagine emailing Gunther Steiner with no subject line <laughs> and just saying like everything that's on your mind right now that's one of the really <laughs> funny ones. So I'll say that one. And also the really cool thing about that email was that I asked about it. I asked for a comment about the termination. And William Story just forwarded me, forwarded me the correspondence. And so I just oh, had all the emails. God. And I was like, all right, well, that that works. Thanks. <laughs> so that's I got one what I needed. Moving on. <laughs> got it. <laughs> that's incredible. I think for me, the craziest part for me right out of the gate is when they're in the when they're in the trial with Red Bull yeah. mm -hmm. and Red Bull's research puts up the actual number of cans sold for rich energy. 
Oh it's in the thousands. my Yeah. It's in the thousands. I could not. It's believable, but like it was crazy to see it was that that's, low. That's a really good point. So Ben said in the chat, that is wild. It is so wild. So another thing that happened was early in 2019, Rich Energy went to court over its logo with a British bike company called White Bikes. And White Bikes said they copied our logo. We're taking them to court. So they go to court. And the court date, I think, was in March. And so they have the court date or whatever. And the judge says, how many cans of Rich Energy have you sold? And William Story says, 100 million. And the judge goes, be for real. And <laughs> William Story goes, I think we sold about 3 million in 2018. And the judge goes, all right, whatever. And so that was on like a Thursday or something like that. I had an interview with him on Friday, like the day after the court case, right? And I said, how many cans have you sold? And he said, we have now sold in excess of 100 million. Because he thought that I would never get my hands on the recap of the court case. Oh and I God. did. And so you look. One day, he gets corrected. The next day, he says the same thing again. So it just it kind of shows you. Also, thank you to everyone in the chat saying that this is fun. I'm glad y'all are having fun. Me too. <laughs> what a source. <laughs> Dude is wild. Dude is wild. And you know what? Like, good for him. Good for him. He's running around doing his thing. <laughs> Do your thing, dude. <laughs> I saw you posted on your, I think it was your Instagram, something he posted of him driving a car and you just, but for those that didn't know, I wrote a whole book on <laughs> about all of this past doing. Okay. That's actually, oh God, I wish this tweet was in the book. So a few days ago, the official Rich Energy account tweeted and posted everywhere that um, William Story tested a Formula One car, and I think this was a few years ago. There's a Renault, like a like a tuned-down Formula One car they let normal people drive. And I think this was a few years ago. He got to get in the car, like, when he was actually sponsoring a team. And they just posted a picture of him with the car. And on the Rich Energy account, which we can assume who's posting it, it said... Something about how the engineers were shocked that William Story was actually faster than Daniel Ricardo and Yuki Sonoda. <laughs> and it was just like, what? Like, be for real. <laughs> be for real. No one. Like, come on. I do wish that was in the book because it's so funny. Like, you're not faster than Daniel Ricardo in like a tuned down, like, per like normal person friendly version of a Formula One <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. it's like a basketball player insisting on only taking half court yeah, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> like what are we doing here what's going on i don't know um so funny though but i will tell you so a real story that is not fake um we were at the vegas formula one race and i got invited by ogara which is a racing simulator and racing company um they said hey come try out our really cool simulator at the win and they had like a mclaren ogara display and I was like, I'll do like one lap, but then I'm gonna let my husband drive because he loves sim racing. I let my husband get on this simulator. I think the gas tank was full on this simulator. Like that car was filled up. And within five laps, because he only got like five to seven laps, on like his fifth lap, he ran Yuki Sonoda's Q one time. <gasps> what? And now Yuki Sonoda, his Q one time was like um like two seconds slower than 15th through 19th so like you he had a much slower lap in q1 but he was two seconds off the normal q1 times and he was six seconds off of charlotte claire's pole after five laps well now we know that your husband needs an f1 contract 
my husband my husband is an incredible sim driver he's actually never done a track day in a car i bought him a track day for his motorcycle when he was in college um he's never done a track day in a car and so i'm very interested to see if we can do a track day together at circuit of the Americas sometime because i have a lot of experience driving circuit of the americas but he is very very good at the sim and i'm very interested to see how close we are on that track yeah yeah, I'm super interested to see. That'd be interesting. So hopefully this year you're able to do that. Hopefully, I haven't been. To, I haven't driven at Circuit of the Americas in about a year, so I definitely need to drive that track again soon. So maybe we can do that. Hab asked. You've talked about a few Formula One drivers. Do you have a favorite driver and team? Okay, so going with my thing of not being too serious, I cannot help but be partial to Lewis Hamilton. I think Lewis Hamilton stands for a lot of wonderful things. He became the first and only black Formula One driver when he came onto the circuit. And he transcended the sport so much that he is now able to talk about human rights for other people and talk about whatever he wants to talk about and stand for whatever he wants to stand for in ways that other Formula One drivers never have and many of them never will. And I think that is the coolest thing in the world and i really really appreciate that another thing i've realized that like it started as a meme but now it's not a meme anymore i actually like cheer for logan Sargent. um hey. I, was, <laughs> I was at the vegas f1 race and it started as a meme because like i just wanted to see logan Sargent get points and we called it loints and <laughs> and then i like then he got loints and it was so exciting that he got loins. And then I was at Vegas. I was in Vegas, and the Williams cars, his team, they were actually like fast in qualifying. They were terrible during the race. They sucked. Uh, but they were good during qualifying. And I was in the stands, and I was the only one up there. I was like, Logan, yeah, Logan, let's go, Logan. And I was like, Oh my, God, this is actually embarrassing. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> Logan needs more supporters just gotta say that makes me think of i went to richmond in 2012 mm -hmm. and dale jr was on pole and once obviously the race gets going everyone sits down and kind of just settles in but there was one guy <laughs> one guy a couple dale a uh, couple seconds below us every time he came by he would stand up and he would just have something some kind of reaction to dale whether he got passed he would be like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, same. I like. I love Dale. I would do the same thing. When Dale runs the occasional Xfinity Series race, I am I am ten inches from my TV. Like Dale, 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 let's go, Dale. And oh, a Dale story I have is that earlier this year I was at Junior Motorsports, and Dale did not know I was in town. Okay, and I've never met Dale in person, never in my life. But for some reason, a couple of years ago, Dale just started tweeting me out of nowhere. I I didn't I didn't tweet him first. Like this man just started tweeting me. Like he just started becoming Twitter friends with me. I went to um, J.R. Houston and Ryan Hines' wedding and I posted a selfie of us at the wedding. Dale was liking our selfies at the wedding. Dale is always <laughs> talking to me on Twitter. And so I'm at Junior Motorsports and I was with my friend Aiden McHugh. He is, um, he's the best. He's an engineer at Junior Motorsports. And he let me bolt on a part of the car. <laughs> And so I'm under the car and I'm like bolting stuff on. And he's like, yeah, awesome. <laughs> and Dale comes out of the studio, the podcast studio. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I put together a car. I didn't. I bolted like one thing on. 
and dale's walking by and he is like speed walking out of here like he's got somewhere to go he's got his backpack over one shoulder he's like kind of hunched over he is going right and he walks past us stops turns around and he goes you're my internet buddy and i was like and like i often have this thing where i think like um do like am i do people know what i look like or do i just look like another blonde lady i don't really know and the mm-hmm. fact that like my internet buddy dale walked by didn't know i was there stopped turned and said internet buddy i guess that's my answer <laughs> i guess i guess that's it <laughs> and it was so fun it was so cool and so that's my that's my buddy oh phil says dale remembered phil from twitter like dale is oh He's such Dale a is my king. I love Dale. Every time Dale runs, I'm like, Dale, please run an Xfinity series race. Uh, please, 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 please. I also had a moment earlier this year. I keep telling all these stories. I'm not even answering questions. I'm just telling stories. Earlier this year, I was on the grid for the Indy 500. And I saw Kyle Larson. And I was like, oh, cool, Kyle Larson. And then I walked down the grid. And I saw a man who looked like Paul Menard. And I was like, that man looks like Paul Menard. But he didn't have any branded anything on. And so I walked up to him and I said, you look a lot like Paul Menard. And he was like, I am Paul Menard. And I was like, no way! (laughs) Because my husband (laughs) is the biggest Paul Menard fan in the world. We own three Paul Menard NASCAR bumpers and they're hanging in our home. Gosh. They're hanging. Wow. We, we, like, if you need a Paul Menard museum, it's our (laughs) house. And, um... I'm like, Paul, my husband is the biggest Paul Menard fan in the world. <laughs> this man has never seen anybody react like this. Like, this man is like, what is going on? And he was so nice and he was so flattered and he was just so happy. And I was talking to him and Elizabeth Blackstock was with me, with me and she had my phone and she took a couple of pictures of us talking. And I was like, Paul, if you ever run another NASCAR race, we're going to be there and we're going to cheer for you. And like, we're going to cheer so loud. And I was like, have a good life. Love you, Paul. And I gave him a double high five. And I have this picture of me and Paul Menard, like double high fiving fingers clasped over each other's hands in front of the pagoda at IMS. And it's just like me and Paul in this just like loving, sweet, like little double high five thing. And it's my favorite. It's one of my favorite possessions. That's you have to have in like cursive underneath it. What does racing mean to yeah. you? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> we're out of focus, and the pagoda at IMS is in focus. So it's just me and Paul. <laughs> and like, honestly, I wonder. I wonder if he has a burner Twitter account, or if somebody was like, like sent it to him or something. I'm sure somebody did. Um, and I just, I think about that all the time. I'm sure Paul thinks about that a lot. He just thinks about this lady who just like screamed in his face at the Indy 500, and one of the best moments of my life, right there, Paul Menard. I'm sure he appreciated it. I'm sure he did. Oh, yeah, I'm sure Paul he Menard. was like, oh my god, like this is so exciting. Um, I would have, I would have thought so. If somebody like basically fainted when they met me, I would remember it for the rest of my life. <laughs> anyway, I'm not answering any questions. I'm just talking about things. So <laughs> you're good. Oh my gosh, 
I love, I love the stories. Honestly, I could probably talk to you for like a week and just hear a new story. This is my problem. <laughs> this is my problem. I just talk to people forever. I love it. It makes me so happy. I love just talking to people about stuff. But it's like so cool hearing all your experiences. Like you've done so much and it's all so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I kind of forget sometimes. I'm like, wow, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. That's pretty cool. Have you driven any Ferraris? Oh, so I have not driven any Ferraris. Um, Ferrari is very strict, so I typically I drive like Lamborghinis <laughs> instead because Lamborghinis just like, yo, do whatever. That, Take it to Chile. That STO was amazing. Yeah, exactly. So I've driven the STO twice. Um, I've driven the Lamborghini Urus. I have driven the Huracan Technica. Lamborghini is like, do whatever you want. We don't care. Like, have That's fun. So and so... If I'm going to go, also McLaren is really chill. So if I'm going to go like super, super, yeah, I'm going to go like super, <laughs> super ultra luxury brand. Typically, I'm going to get one of those just because they're like, yeah, have fun. If I took a Ferrari to Chili's, I think Ferrari would be mad. <laughs> I think they would be mad. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the other ones, they like, they encourage it. Like Lamborghinis, like, are you taking the Lamborghini to Chili's? Like they'll email me and they'll ask me if I'm taking That's it That's awesome. That's so What's cool. your go-to Chili's order? That's, this is important. Skillet queso and skillet cookie. And then the entree is interchangeable. Oh, love that. Mm -hmm. And then our servers at Chili's, Sean and Christian, love you, Sean and Christian. Um, they give us uh, pink lemonade, free pink lemonade. They're not supposed to, but they just do. I love that. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> okay, honestly, is there a difference between pink pink lemonade and regular lemonade? Like, is there? Yes, yes. Okay. Like, pink lemonade is like strawberry lemonade. Oh. I like it a lot better. Yeah. Okay. Wow. First time it's really good. Years. These are the hard hitting. Yeah, they really are. Really, <laughs> listen, pink lemonade. I, I can I can down some pink lemonade. I did want to bring this one thing up. Um, mm -hmm. My buddy Ben, first off, YouTube car game rise up. He wanted me to make sure to mention to you because you did like a lot of like like toy car like diecast photography. Mm -hmm. So back in 2020, um, 2021, was it? You took this photo. Oh, yeah. Look at that. I remember this one. I remember yeah. this one. Mm -hmm. That one was so fun. Um, and Ben sent me a diecast and said, can you take a photo of it? And I said, yeah. So literally shipped it to me. I shipped it back. And this is right next to my house on the sidewalk after it had rained. And I have oh. little emergency lights. And so these background lights that you see going by are my little emergency lights. And so that, that, those lines are me running back and forth with the lights. It's called light painting. And you just leave the camera on the ground, do like a 30-second exposure, and you light the car so that the car gets really good lighting on it. And then you go in the background and you just play with the lights. Oh, that's gorgeous. Wow. I want to try that now. Mm -hmm. It's super fun. It's super fun. I do that all the time. Um, so on my Instagram, you'll see some if you scroll a little deep because I haven't done it in a while because I've just had so much work to do. Um, if you scroll a little deep, you'll see diecast photos that have a lot of light painting behind them, which I often do in my garage. Oh, it's so cool. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. it's super fun. I love doing this kind of stuff. See, I feel like this could be a good new hobby for me. It's a great hobby. I highly <laughs> recommend it. Highly recommend this hobby. I I have a Jimmy Johnson Carvana IndyCar diecast that I'm going to do some wild stuff with when I get a second. 
<laughs> I love that. I'm super excited. It's super excited. The older I get, the more Jimmy Johnson diecasts I buy. Truly. Love Jimmy Johnson. I- just got two Jimmy Johnson diecasts from the Roval when I was there. I have one of his rookie Lowe's cards and then the Power of Pride, mm-hmm. like my two favorite mm-hmm. ever. So I'm I'm now starting to trend that way to getting all the Jimmy Johnson diecasts. I want I'm telling you, the older you yeah. get, the worse it gets. Yeah. <laughs> As you age, you'll just get more and more Jimmy Johnson diecasts. Because the older you get, the more you realize Jimmy Johnson is the dude. Yeah. For real. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The nicest guy. The nicest guy. He rocks. He really rocks. Well, Alanis, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you taking the time in in your car on the side of the road, you know, to join us here. It's been such a blast. Thank you so much. This is probably the coolest setting. It's authentic. It makes it authentic. Authentic. (laughs) You know what? I might I might go get like a like a pink lemonade inside seven eleven here in a second. Look for it. <laughs> it's possible. I it's possible. I may go in and do that because that sounds really good right now. <laughs> Honestly, it does, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> There's a Chili's an exit north of my yeah. of Huntersville. You gotta come say hi when you're in Charlotte next time. Oh, I, I'm gonna try to come into town soon. I'm trying to pitch some ideas where I maybe do some car reviews with NASCAR drivers. So oh. Oh my, yeah, yeah. that would be hilarious. Yeah, I think it would be really, so much fun. I think it would be really funny. So hopefully we'll get to do that because like there are some NASCAR drivers who are really, really into cars. And if we can do some car reviews together, that would be so much fun. So hopefully we'll get to do that. Pitch it to Joey Logano. That'd be a good one. Oh, really Joey Logano is a good one. Joey's a good one. I'm, I'm trying to see like, okay, who should I invite? Who's going to want to do this? And so I'm just yeah. kind of like putting a few feelers out to see if people want to. Like, I can get you a cool car. You want to drive a cool car? Um, <laughs> you want to you spend a couple hours with me that you wouldn't otherwise spend with me? Come on. <laughs> come on. It'll be fine. Um, so we'll see. Maybe I'll come to town and do that. And we can go to Chili's. Heck yeah. I'm done for a Chili's trip. Let's do it. Chili's. <laughs> and also, like, I, I'm in town a lot. And if I post that I'm in town, just send me a DM. Like, I'm around. I got time. I love it. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to do is bother you. No, no, please do. Please do. If anything, I forget to message people. Uh, I forget to message people about, like, karaoke night and stuff. So hit me up. because I have this list when I come to Charlotte. Um that's like 40 people long and sometimes I just forget like to get everybody and I wish I could just send everybody a group text but then I would be giving everybody everybody's phone numbers uh I think about that a lot logistically it's really hard I wish I could blind carbon copy people on text messages when I can schedule text messages and blind carbon copy text messages we're gonna be in business That'll be the day. That'll be the day. That'll be no. the day. Be- the technology's out there. It, it is. Just waiting for the right person to promote it. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. And we need to be there. Um, but no, this is super fun. Got a train going by out there. You can probably see it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah Texas. Super fun. <laughs> Love joining you. I got about 30 more minutes to drive home. I'm going to go see my cat, Portia. And yeah, I'd love to come whenever. Yeah. The biggest contributor to your book was Portia, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. She did the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, she did the whole thing. I... The, the shout out you gave her in the beginning, uh, like the, the author's yeah. notes. Oh my God, I cracked up at that. <laughs> Listen, she's my child. And I know people will be like, pets aren't children. Yes, she is. Yes, she they are. 
Oh, I can relate. Literally. Yeah. Like, yes. We we know this. Like, pets are children. Yes. She is my blood and my, oh, I love her. She is everything about me. Oh, well, I can't wait to see her in 30 minutes. I'm just going to pick her up and I'm going to squeeze her. And then she's going to run off and she's going to get mad at me for squeezing her. Uh, but <laughs> that's how it's going to go. <laughs> well, Thief travels back home. I guess Thanks tell so Portia we'll say hi. <laughs> Thanks. I absolutely will. Yeah. Oh, I guess I before I should go, I should actually tell everybody who I am. So... I'm Alanis King. I am. My full time job is with a place called Cars and Bits. We auction cars off online. And so, what I do is I go review those cars. Yesterday, I drove a Roof RT12, which is a really, really all oh, racing with rich energy. There we go. <laughs> um, yesterday, I drove a Roof RT12, which is a really, 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 really crazy Porsche. Um, so, if you want to watch, if you want to go watch that video, it'll be up online in a couple of weeks on Cars and Bids. Drove a Lotus Elise with a gated manual today. That'll be on Cars and Bids. Super fun. I also have, oh, I love the racing with rich energy. I also have my own YouTube channel. It's Alanis King at Alanis King without the in in the middle. Every other handle has the in. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram or anything else, it's at Alanis in King because in 2009, a man named Alan thought really highly of himself and then never logged on to any of his profiles again. So. <laughs> It's Alanis N. King on everything except YouTube. It's Alanis King. <laughs> I also wrote a book called Racing with Rich Energy, and I do lots of stuff on the internet. So, whoa, right there. If you want to catch me online, that's where I usually am. Everyone, go give her a follow, please. Do it. If you're not following her, give her a follow. It's worth it. And it's everyone. Worth it. Lots of pushing content if you want to see the cat. Yes. <laughs> exactly. No, absolutely wonderful talking to y'all. Thank you so much for inviting me thank you everybody in the chat i usually am on like youtube in the chat but because i'm on my hotspot, i can't strain it so i'm usually there typing with y'all but thank you for being in the chat thank you for hanging out appreciate everybody yeah, thank you so much we'll have to have yeah, you back was... soon hey thank you y'all have a good one you too. happy holidays so <laughs> bye Thank you all so much for a fantastic 2023. It has been a wild year and I am so thankful you are all along for the ride for it. We are looking forward to everything ahead in 2024. With that said, happy holidays, travel safe if you're traveling. If not, hopefully it's a cozy and healthy, happy new year for you all. And here's to all the best for all of you in 2024. Thanks so much for the support and until next time, we'll see ya. Bye.